0: Glad you're here this morning. As uh, Aaron said, the church is not a building, it's a people, and we're mobile, we're agile, and uh, we can pick up and move wherever we'd like to go, wherever we need to go. We also believe that geography matters, so us stepping foot in this part of town is on purpose. We want to engage this part of town, so we're about to engage some matters in prayer that have to do with this side of town, So, let's pray. God, we want to thank you. For the opportunity to gather uh, here on the west side of town. Lord, we just pray that you'll be enjoyed in these next few minutes in this piece of geography. We pray for the churches that do meet on this side of town, Mineral Heights, uh, Aldersgate, Westminster. Lord, we pray that they are enjoying you out loud and that you are being um, glorified in ordinary people that are worshiping you. pray, too, that they are being salty and bright and aromatic. And that you are drawing other people to engage you through their churches and the ministries they are Lord, we're thankful for the time that we have to engage this part of town. I just pray that you'll be glorified and enjoyed in these next few minutes. A couple of specific uh, prayers, Lord, we want to pray for Topway as she climbs on a plane tomorrow finally and uh, heads back to Africa. We want to pray for Trey Brookshire as he's beginning a really long eight-hour test here in these next few minutes. Uh, we want to pray for Rhonda Kimball as she is, she and her family are believed to be saying goodbye to her father. And uh Just pray that he will pass uh, comfortably and just enter glory uh, with great memories with his family. Lord, we're thankful for this time. We turn it over to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. (coughs) Let me go ahead and set you at ease. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Let me set you at ease as you're turning there. If you have little kids with you and you're thinking, man, I know they're going to be a disruption, don't fret. Lord loves the little children, and we do too, so we're okay with noise. Uh, We're doing this on purpose. This isn't a uh, reaction to some sort of problem with the children's ministry. This is on purpose. We want our children to sit with us, sometimes even the littlest ones, and enjoy the table with us together. So in these next few minutes, that's what we aim to do. Let me also tell you there's a few empty chairs here and there. So if anybody's standing up at the back and didn't bring chairs, just grab one or pull up a piece of grass or or stand if you really want to. Proverbs chapter 4, this is a snapshot of three men, a grandfather, a father, and a son. We don't know this for sure because we don't know that Solomon was actually writing all the Proverbs as real-life experiences. We believe that he wrote it, but he may have been passing on something that's been passed through their people for ages. But we might believe this is Solomon as the main figure in this proverb as the father who's writing about something that his daddy told him, and he's writing about something that he's going to tell his boys, Rehoboam possibly being one of those boys. He may be referring back to his daddy, David, the son of Jesse. But to make it personal so that I could engage it, I encourage you to do this in these next few minutes. To make this personal, look at this passage through your own scenario. Think of a grandfather-father-son combination, maybe your own family, to help climb into this story. If you're a granddaddy, be the granddaddy. If you're a father, be the father. If you're a son, be the son. Now, let me give you kind of a side note for daughters and wives. Hang in there with this sermon because it's going to come back around to you in the very end. Back where I was going. Climb into this story. For me, I'm climbing into this story through a personal account, thinking about my dad, the kid's Paul is what they call him. You know, the first kid gets to name the grandparent, and that's the best he could muster was Paul. So forevermore, he's Paul. And then there's me, the father, in this story. And then my boys would be Luke and Daniel, the two lads sitting right here front and center. I'll make them sit front and center so I know they pay attention. I can throw something at them if I need to. That's how I'm climbing into this story so I can make it personal and engage it. I encourage you to plug some names in and make this personal. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to crawl through it, grab a few things, and then we're going to look at these three characters at the, at the, the end, the grandfather, the father, and the son. Verse 1, Hear, O sons, in my case Luke and Daniel, a father's mind instruction and be attentive that you might gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. I want you to notice what's unfolding here. A dad is sitting with his boys. They might be riding in that old Chevrolet that their granddaddy gave them out on a dirt road going on a hunting trip. Or maybe they're talking in a deer stand. Or maybe they're sitting on a couple dove stools talking about life as they're waiting for the birds to fly. Or maybe they're sitting on a back porch together enjoying breakfast as the seasons change. A dad is sitting with his boys, and he's talking with them, engaging them. Beautiful time. Verse 3, this dad says to his boys, he says, Boys, when I was a son with my daddy, y'all's beat Paul, Luke, and Daniel... When I was a son, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. I was never tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. But So the whole analogy breaks down right there. But this guy, he's saying, I was tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. He, your grandpa, taught me and he said to me. Something I want you to see right off the bat is he's saying, when I was a boy, my father taught me. In these next few verses, right up to verse 9, you're about to hear the grandfather's words. You're about to hear words from a daddy's daddy. Here a father is sitting with his boys, and he's thinking of a father who gave him more than Christmas presents. He's thinking of a father who gave him more than vacations. He's thinking of a father that gave gave him more than Lego sets. A father that gave them more than a warm bed and clothing and more than a swift kick when they stepped out of line. He's thinking of a father who actually taught him something. And let's see what the granddaddy had to say. He says, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments <clears throat> and live. Thinking about this story again in the eyes of Ben and his, my dad, Bepaw. As I was a boy... If my father was engaging me with this phrase, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, it might sound something like this. You do what I tell you, boy, if you want to live. Or it might sound something like this. Obey me, Ben, or I'll take you out myself. It Probably wouldn't be that aggressive if we were understanding the immediate passage here. But the point is that these are urgent words for life. These are important words for life. And this father is engaging his son in this story, the father. And he's saying, listen up. These are life words. And here's what he says. Here's the grandpa's message. He says, boy, I want you to get wisdom. I want you to get insight. Do not forsake. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that's wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. I want you to notice, first of all, that he didn't say, son, get a job. Son, get a life. Son, get some self-respect. That's John Wayne Parenting at its best right there. He didn't say, son, get your chore list done. Get your homework done. Get out of my chair. He didn't say things like that. He didn't say, son, get the grass cut. Get the trash out. Get off the computer. And while all those things might be worthy gets, especially the chair thing, he charges his son with a singular pursuit. Get this beautiful woman called wisdom. Go after her. She's fine. And she'll treat you right. She'll take care of you. And here's what he says in the next verse. He says, the beginning of wisdom. He just told him, get wisdom, get insight. Now, okay, here's your first step. Here's the beginning of wisdom. Get wisdom. Get insight. He says it again. Whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. This grandfather is commanding his son to get wisdom. And the beginning of that getting is to get wisdom. That's a hard point to get, but it's one that we've got to get through our head. It's got to be something that we've got to go after. It's not something that comes natural. The nature of instruction is that you're receiving something that you don't have naturally. So it's got to fall on a boy or a father, in the grandfather's case, who's listening, who's attentive, who's hungry, who knows he needs it. Who knows that he doesn't know all things. It's got to fall in the ears of a boy that's got room for it. Unless you welcome it, unless you want it, it will have a hard time fitting in. And if you think you've already got it, you'll have no room for it. He says, oh boy, son, recognize you need it, prize it, embrace it, get it. That's the beginning of wisdom. Two things I want to show you. I've only got two satellites in this whole sermon, and they're right next door. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Look there. It's just on the other side of the page in my Bible. If this grandfather is charging his son, the father in this story, with getting wisdom, I want you to see something that's so important. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I want you to see the thing that he's commanding here can only come from the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Man, I want to tell you, I love science. I loved college and studies that had to do with physiology. I was just intrigued by the science and textbooks. While I didn't like reading, I liked what they taught me. But I want you to understand what textbooks give you is they give you knowledge and information. That is not wisdom. I'm not saying don't read your textbooks and be a bunch of boneheads. Get some knowledge. Get some information. But please know that's not wisdom. The only place you can get wisdom is right here. And the beauty is that God has spoken. He has spoken and he's spoken thoroughly and he's spoken completely. So this is all you need when you go after it. The second passage I want you to see is in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Now we just established that wisdom and insight come from the Lord you only get it from him now look at this verse chapter 9 verse 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight the fear of the Lord is wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight so this thing that he's commanding him to get he's saying you got to go to the Lord to get it and guess what the Lord is actually the subject you go to him to get him He is both the giver and the gift. He's both the teacher and the subject. He's both the medium and he's what you're actually receiving. He's the source and the content. This granddaddy is saying to his boy, he's saying, this God, he's it, boy. He's it. Everything else pales. It's all about him and it comes from him. Now we pick up with the daddy's words. We finished up the granddaddy's words. Let's go to the daddy's words and see what he says in verse 10. He says, Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. He says, This beautiful woman, this thing called wisdom, enables your walk, son, it even enables your run. Don't let go of her. Guard her that the years of your life may be many. In fact, she is your very life. I was thinking about this question. I want to ask this question to myself, and I want to ask that of the fathers in here, fathers and grandfathers. Here's a question for you to consider. Do you think of your instruction this way? Do you think of your instruction as actually life-dependent? Do you have anything to say that's important enough that it will actually give life? Is it just talking about games and Legos and lunch? Or do you actually engage them with a life-giving message? Ask you that question, I want you to realize what we're doing right now is preparation for that. If this thing is terminal with you and you leave over lunch and you're like, man, I caught a few things out of that, but you don't engage your boys with it, then guess what? It's terminal and you might as well not have come. You're being equipped to engage those boys with salty life-giving words. That's what this is. And I have people call me all the time or email me, say, man, I need to be discipled. Will you spend some time with me and teach me how to engage my sons? And I'm thinking, what did you do with Sunday? I'll spend time with you. But what happened to Sunday? Was that just kind of a talky talk? Were you like Charlie Brown in class, listening to Charlie Brown's teacher? Wah, 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 wah. When's lunch? You're being equipped to engage your boys right now with these life-giving words that your boys may have years and years of sweet life because their daddy taught them something. Pick up in verse 14. It says, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep, that's the evil, unless they've done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence path of the righteous now oh, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day the way of the wicked though is like deep darkness they do not know over what they stumble this dad maybe solomon is talking with his boys and he's saying boys there's two paths there's a wicked path and there's a righteous path and the wicked path is a path that should be avoided at all costs and a path like any other path, once you've gone down it a ways, it's hard to get off of it. And he's urging them don't even get on that path. It's deep darkness, and you'll stumble over things that you don't even see coming. Christy and I have a living example of that in our home. Our middlest, our middle, not middleest, our, not our youngest our, our middle kid Luke is visually impaired. And he trips over stuff or bumps into stuff nearly every single day. And I want to tell you from the point of view of a father that it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Now, from the point of view of a pastor who watches people stumble over things that they weren't prepared for because they're not walking in wisdom, it's not frustrating. It's heartbreaking. This is a dad urging his son, son, don't walk the wicked path. Instead, walk the righteous path. And on this path, it's like the light of dawn shining brighter and brighter as you go. You see more and more of it, but you see more and more of it. As you go, the righteous path has direction. The righteous path is warm and living. The righteous path is fueled by good counsel, the words of life that a daddy passes on. And the wisdom sought, let me tell you this, it doesn't come all at once. A bunch of Western minds think like mechanics or we think like people that can just go buy anything in a moment. Wisdom doesn't come like that. There is no destination on the path. You actually get wisdom in the journey. It comes every step as you go like the light of dawn. You can't get it all at once. And guess what? You'll never have it all. This side of glory. It's a product of the journey on the righteous path. There is a destination. But it's not wisdom. Wisdom comes in the journey itself. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. An inclined ear means a tuned-in ear, a responsive ear, an ear that's eager to engage what's spoken. Verse 21, Let them not escape from your sight, them being the words. Keep them within your heart, boy, for their life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This dad is sitting with his boys, and he's looking them in the eyes in the Chevy in the deer stand, on the back porch, and he's saying, keep your hearts, boys, with all vigilance. Guard the words that I give to you. And let me tell you something. You don't need vigilance unless there is a threat. You need to know that there is a devil that prowls around like roaring lions, and guess what he wants? He wants to eat words. He wants to eat life-giving words that so desperately need to find a home in you. Verse 24, he says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I shared with you all a few weeks ago as I was bearing scrapes and bruises that I've kind of gotten into mountain biking. Something I've learned about mountain biking is that I have a lot left to learn. I fear too much on the trail. I look for rocks and these drop-offs and these trees and my eyes focus on those things and I'm all over the trail, hitting the very things I want to avoid. Now, what I've been told by people that are more seasoned in mountain biking is that you need to learn to pick a line. You need to look down the trail for the route you're going to go and you focus on that line and you don't look to the left. Or to the right. Because you, you will go where your eyes go. That is a great principle. Fathers, grandfathers, sons, wives, daughters. You will go where your eyes go. It's a guarantee. So don't look to the left or look to the right is what he's saying here. He says, I know some of the pitfalls that surround you. I know some of the pitfalls that surround you. Sex, drugs, power, money, laziness. All these kind of crazy threats that all ages are inundated with. The encouragement here is not to focus on things, trying to avoid them, but to focus on a worthy goal. If your life is a summation of avoiding the ditches, you will be in them for most of your life. The charge here is to pick a line, and don't look to the left or the right, and that line needs to be Jesus, to fix your eyes on our Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's a good line. That's a line that delivers. Don't swerve. Press on in the true and wise way. Now, briefly, I want to just consider these three guys. First of all, the grandfather. This grandfather, the summation of his message was, Get wisdom, for she's pretty, and she's a great protector. She's a beautiful thing that's worth going after. What I want you to see in this grandfather is that he's a teaching father with a proactive message. Most of our parenting can be reactive. Just dealing with the problems that our kids do and are part of. Things that they say or don't say or things that how they react. Most of our parenting can be reactive. But this parenting right here where this father is engaging his son is proactive. He's teaching. He's not teaching in response to some failure or disobedience. He's teaching before problems come before his son is well committed to the wrong path. If this is Solomon relaying what David taught him, it's likely he's teaching what Jesse taught him. He may be teaching what Obed taught Jesse and what Boaz taught Obed. These men were passing along a heritage, a legacy worth sharing, and they had a view to the storyline. There was more to it than just them. They had identity as a part of a people and a part of a future that they needed to engage their families with. This wasn't just a man marooned in his own stressful world that had no time for anyone, who just woke and ate and worked and then slept. This is not a man marooned in his own stress. It's also not a man and his boy only. It's men, it's generations of men that see themselves connected by a timeless truth worth savoring, Timeless truth worth sharing. Now the father, chapter 4, verse 10, I love the words there. Look at them, look back at them. This is where it transitions from the grandfather back to the son. The grandfather's words have just been shared and he says, hear my son and accept my words. The thing I want you to see there that men, all of us of all ages need to get is this father, as he's engaging his boys, he called his father's words his own words. His father's words became his own words. This is telling me that this father here was teachable. This father here was listening. This father, in fact, memorized what his daddy had to say. About five verses worth of verbatim quotation marks around him, words that his daddy taught him. Are all of you teachable men? You want to see it in your boys. Do you model it? Can anybody teach you anything? Or do you have all things figured out? I promise you, if that's you, you will see it in your boys as they thumb their nose at you. If you want teachable, submissive, leadable boys that walk in wisdom, you've got to be that man. You've got to show it to them. And this father he goes on to say in summary he says keep your heart watch your mouth look straight ahead ponder your path don't swerve from the righteous path And fathers I want to ask you this question do you have a message worth memorizing do you say anything to your boys that you hope that they may put quotation marks around and pass on to their little boys Do you have anything of substance to pass on? Are you communicating it? Are you teaching it? Or are you just reacting out of your own stressful life? What is the content of the message that you share? I want you to see this daddy. For this daddy, he's passing on God-given words. He's speaking them. It's all over this passage, verse 4. Hold fast my words, verse 5. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth, verse 10. Hear and accept my words. I've taught you. Be attentive, verse 20, to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Man, our age needs to hear this because the movies don't agree with this. Movies have these strong, silent types that make great action flick stars, but they don't make very good daddies because daddies need to be talking daddies need to have some words and these words need to be words of wisdom words of truth that their daddy gave them and man i know i need to ask this question too do you have a message to relay some of you might be sitting here thinking man my daddy didn't teach me anything my daddy was around, we had great times together, but he taught me absolutely nothing that I could put quotation marks around. Sadly, most of, it was, most of us would say, no, our daddies didn't do that. So what we ought to do is we ought to be somebody's grandfather in their proverb. You men, your fathers or grandfathers who didn't have this yourselves, be somebody's granddaddy in their proverb. Start a heritage and a legacy right now that'll last for generations. Generations of wisdom that begins with words. And now for the sons. Just a couple thoughts for the sons. This father asked his sons, man, and said, I hope you guys are attentive. I hope you have an inclined ear. For if you're not attentive and you're not tuned in, you get no wisdom. You can't get wisdom if you're not attentive and you're not listening. And if you're not attentive and you're not not listening, you're going to do what's right in your own mind and you will live from heartache to heartache, from pitfall to pitfall. It's a guarantee. It's clear that what he's getting here, what he's passing on from his granddaddy to his son doesn't come naturally. Sons, it doesn't come naturally. You think you know all things, but I promise you, you don't. I know how you think because I used to be one of you young men. And the best thing that could ever happen to you is if you start to realize, man, I need to be taught something of substance. I need to get wisdom. I think the best thing we can learn as sons is that we need our daddies and we need our daddies to be teachable and teaching daddies. Wives, I told you I would come back around to you. Wives, I want to encourage you to pray for your husbands. Pray for your husbands that your husbands will have a message. Encourage your husbands when you start to see a quotable message develop. Cheer for them. They need it. Pray for them and encourage them that they'll have a message that's spoken in words. Daughters, I encourage you to look for the taught and teachable. Remember, that silent type makes a great action hero, but he will make a horrible husband. Look for the taught and teachable or at least the teachable if his daddy didn't teach him. Look for wise young men. And I hope that as fathers and fathers are doing their jobs, that there'll be more of them available because we've produced them. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for the time we've had outside today. Thankful for these noises and squirming kids and the future of the church that sits here among us this morning. Lord, I pray that with with every whimper and every cry and every coup that we are thinking about tomorrow's church and we're thinking about the people of God and that we are faithful in the little snapshot of life that you've given us. Lord, I pray for men to be faithful in sitting on back porches and engaging their boys with something that matters, Lord. I pray that you will give each of us, each of the men here, a storyline, words of wisdom to pass on that are timeless because they're about you and they're from you. Lord, I pray for that for the future of the church and for your glory. In Christ's name, we pray, Amen. Let's worship in song. During our sometimes during our song time, I have a chance to kind of think about things that might might be a gap. I think there's a gap for single moms in this sermon. And I want to encourage you single moms that God's grace is sufficient. I say that every time we have a chance, you know, we're engaging the family as a whole. I don't want single moms to leave here feeling like, well, I don't have that dad that's teaching my sons or daughters. Um, Just know that his grace is sufficient and the church needs to be your husband. The church is a bride, but, and you need to see these families. And these families need to see you as the fatherless, and need to be engaging you. So I just, I don't want you to leave here discouraged if you're a single mom. Just know that the church makes a beautiful husband in the interim, or maybe for long term, and a beautiful father too. And uh, that's it. All right, I'll close in prayer. Where'd Brad go? I guess I'm closing in prayer. I can do that. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, I I pray that, that you will just work this in us what we've engaged this morning is is thick and um, but yet it's so practical we can insert names into a proverb and uh, just think it nifty or we can insert names into a proverb and try and engage faithfully the design that you have for the families and for the church or we pray for tomorrow's church we pray for a rich vibrant church where a bunch of men can think about their dads that gave them something of substance quotable rich truths about you and we're thankful that you provide when someone seeks wisdom that you give uh, wisdom and you give it amply. Lord, we love you so much. We thank, we're so thankful, too, for the little ones that joined us this morning. We're blessed by new life in this church. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. Oh, if you want to stick around for lunch, turn me back on. If, if you want to stick around for lunch, a bunch of people brought lunches. Or if you want to go pick up lunch, go grab lunch and come back. I think a lot of people are kind of hanging out and picnicking.